0: Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family parenting podcast. You can find more helpful advice at focusonthefamily.com slash parenting podcast.
1: Probably the least pleasant aspect of parenting is discipline, Uh, when your kid messes up and you have to address it. It's really important though. To remember that uh, while it's painful in the moment, God uses discipline to produce godly character in our kids. The New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 11 says, "...no discipline seems pleasant, but later on it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace." Uh, I'm John Fuller, joined by Dr. Danny Huerta. He heads up our Parenting and Youth Department here at Focus on the Family. Congratulations again on Thank you, John. That, yes. uh, that doctoral being behind you. I appreciate it. I feels uh, very good. Well, we're going to turn now to a conversation that Jim Daly and I had with Dr. David Clark, an author and licensed psychologist, as we talked about A Biblical Strategy for Discipline.
2: Share with us the general strategy you have for the war of discipline. Discipline's the next one. We've covered love and competency,
3: discipline. I have a behavior-based system because that's what God has. This is absolutely Bible-based. There are standards of behavior that you, reasonable standards of behavior you have for your children, and how they're to act and how they're to behave. It's all, It's here's how we expect you to behave. And you've outlined that in the book. Oh yeah. yeah, it's very clear. And I recommend even putting it down on paper. And some of it's tied to the kids' personalities. Most of it, here are the rules of the home, all of which are biblical, inspired by the Bible. It's really, this is, I'm standing in for God and raising you, here's what he'd want you to do. I'm yeah. convinced of it. And I can show you in the Bible. Then based on that, you also have reasonable rewards and consequences. If you choose to, and you can choose to do whatever you want from an early age, kids choose. You got nothing to do with it. If you choose to obey, then there are always rewards. And you've chosen to be rewarded, in other words. If you choose to not obey, and that's going to happen too, then you have chosen a consequence, and here's what it is. This is exactly the way God works with us, free will. He's not going to force me to do anything. But based on my choices, there are always rewards and consequences. So that's how we raised our kids, and it worked. And they made a lot of bad choices. And they and when they have the consequence with very little emotion, you've, in effect, chosen this consequence. No, I didn't. I can't believe. Here it's written down. Isn't that your signature? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and so that's and it was reasonable, and they learned that that's not really the way I want to live.
2: Now, consequences are typically age-related, right? You're going to be right. a little different or a lot different between a 5-, 6-, 8-year-old from right. a 13-, 14-, 15-year-old. Kind of give us an idea of those consequences that the parents listening can find in the book. Uh, w- what are the differences of consequences?
3: I cover the whole age range. When you've got small kids spanking, God is still uh, a believer in spanking. We're not going to remove That's those scriptures. That's pretty controversial. I'm telling oh, these days? But if you do it the right way, it actually builds independence and respect for authority, and it changes them. And what's that right way? It is always a private situation. It's not a public spectacle. You know, you're not going to hand out popcorn and candy. I'm going to spank Susie, and I want you to be here. We're not going to humiliate you. You—it's mom or dad, and it's in their room. Here's what—here's what's happened. And uh, now you're angry when you spank. You're not losing it. If you're out of control and you're really sometimes you really get upset, you would wait until you've calmed down. But never spank a child in anger is ridiculous. Of course, I'm mad. That's why I'm spanking you. Uh, so it's reasonable. But there's a two or three swats. It's private. You clearly let not know why this is happening. And this is for a smaller child because they don't, this is what communicates with them. Paddle or hand to bottom, this is, it keeps him from touching the hot stove, going in the road. When William was three years old, he'd be dead now. We have a busy road in front of our home. We're always playing in the yard. I had to spank him a number of times to keep him from going in the road. He'd be dead. You can't reason with a two or three-year-old. Four, no. That's what the spanking's for. Now, after the spanking, you leave them alone to cry and be upset. Then you come back, you want an apology. That's the whole point of the process. Apology to God, apology to you, maybe some other kid that they, a sibling or somebody in the neighborhood that they, that they violated. And then there's a a reconnection of affection and gosh, we move right on. Hmm. So many, even Christian parents are dropping that. And you know what? I think I can reason with my three year old, good luck. That's not what it's for. Now, in our case, by four and a half, five years old, we weren't spanking anymore. We'd gotten the job done, authority, uh, they respected it, and they learned. And now now we can use other techniques like timeout, uh, stickers, uh, taking away uh, special video. And so the older they get, the more things you can take. Once they're teenagers, it's a goldmine of opportunity.
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I've never heard it quite like that. And to have it over with so quickly is really good, especially when it's going to cause them physical harm. Well, right. And And there's there's pain.
3: There's pain involved. But uh, that's only for the purpose of, again, communicating.
2: Well, I mean, you're preventing them from physical harm oh, oh, by, right, in, right. by making sure that they understand this is not the place to go or it's, the way.
3: It's very protective. Yeah. Now, once they get older, got a whole section on teenagers in the book. We went through four of them. So we know what we're talking about. You hit, can take things from them that will really get their attention. Yeah,
2: hit that. Let us hear those as well, because I think parents of teenagers struggle a lot about what is fair game
3: in terms of consequences. I'm telling you anything except food, water, shelter, and clothing. That means electronics. Everything. Their whole yeah. stinking life is their electronics. We know that. Their phone? Oh, the whole world. No, you've lost that for a day. Oh, my social life is over. I'll have no friends. You know what? I'm surprised you have friends now. You're so mean. But you take the phone. Okay, and, but they've made the choice. Right. I used to tell my kids, you never have to lose anything. All the things you can earn every day. But if you make that choice, then you've chosen to lose that. So the phone, the electronics, the TV, unless the phone's used for homework, it's gone. Once they start driving, you will take the car from them. And the best thing in the world for us, we would drive our kids to school. We'd have Christian hymns playing as we drove up with the windows down. Oh, it's the worst thing for a teenager. <laughs> no, goodbye, Susie. Mommy loves you. Ah, the worst thing in the world. Um, food, special snacks. You'd feed them the vegetables and the basic meals, but snacks of all kinds can be used. How about More,
1: social things too? Like oh yeah. shut off the social uh,
3: engagement opportunities. Exactly. All the social media, you're going dark. No, my life, your choice. <laughs> Only a day. A day means a lot to them. And even though we're limiting screen time, and that's covered in the book too, technology is a big deal. Any kind of uh, time with an if they have an extracurricular activity, a sport, an activity, a martial art, uh, dancing, uh, music lessons, on the table, yeah, you will take it from them.
2: When we've hit the love and the in the competence and spirituality, we work that in as well. The independence, uh, you speak to independence. You are kind of touching on that right now. Yeah. So, how how do you get that that teen into that independent zone where they're making good decisions and living life in a in a very independent
3: way? We start really early on. Even a small child can make their own decisions within reason. With the girls, it was always a clothing thing. So we would Sandy would say, "Well, you can wear this outfit or this outfit." Because when it's 40 choices, I can't decide. Well, yeah, you neither can your mother. I didn't add that, but you—it's either this outfit or this outfit. They choose. We would go out to eat, and within reason, if they finished the meal, they could—they mm, could choose what they wanted to eat. That's fair. If you choose something you don't eat, it, you're going to sit there, and the rest of us are going to eat. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> you won't starve to death. Breakfast is coming. But anyway, when we could farm all four of our kids out hey there's a new couple down the street they're a biker couple we don't know them but you're gonna be over there to so, I'm kidding you grandparents are wonderful uh, so when you're gone on a day it also gives them a chance to be independent with someone else that you trust yeah. uh, Christian camps are a wonderful idea I think mission trips I mentioned before youth group activities uh, part-time job as long as it's earned even dating is good for independence as long as it's it's reasonable and they've earned it all those things just push them away from you
2: Boy, good stuff
1: I really like how David uh, described a parent's role. We're actually standing in for God as we raise those kids. Danny, that really is quite a challenge.
0: Yeah, and I'd say we're standing alongside of. I don't know if I'm place of, right? But that that's, that's just a nuance. I would—what uh, th- a great opportunity, an invitation to mold and shape a child and to give them life through correction— Discipline is about pointing them in a direction, and many parents don't have the goals that they need to have, a direction of, what do I want my child to be doing, and what do I want to be built in them by the age of 18? And usually there's a fear of emotions in our kids, there's a, hey, we'll figure out as we go type of attitude, but discipline is really centered on, on, on a purpose of developing relationship and guiding a child in a direction. And so you want to approach it, uh, any type of discipline, with warmth, with sensitivity, uh, and with a goal in mind. I <laughs> I remember talking to a mom that uh, was very task-focused, and she uh, knew how she, she wanted the, the house run. She had the goals in place, but she didn't have much warmth. She came in hot. <laughs> and so she'd go, I, I don't know why my kids aren't listening to me. I, I want them to do this and that. And I said, well, how do you enter the room? And She enters the room with correction and direction Mm. all the time, and there isn't much relationship. She's trying to manage the house and multitask, many, many things. And so she doesn't mean to come in hot, but sometimes as parents we need to step back and have constructive criticism our way. Why are we disciplining? What's the purpose? It's to guide and direct. And how are we guided and directed? Usually in a warm relationship, a trusting relationship, where we know, okay, that person has our best interest in mind, and I want to follow that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I consistently tell my kids, make sure you pray for me as your dad, that I'm guiding you well. We're in the wilderness. I'm supposed to be your guide through this wilderness, through a culture that's trying to pull you in different directions, that's in, in war with our family, right, from a spiritual standpoint. You need me to do this well, and I want to do it the best I can for your sake and for your life. That means I need to discipline you in the right time, the right moment, regardless of what you feel and the discomfort it creates between us but I want to have the best relationship possible so that I can do that. And I don't miss an opportunity to give you a course correction because like in a wilderness, if you take the wrong path in the spot, it gets you way off course if you don't correct at the Mm -hmm. right time. And so helping the teens know that they have a part in the discipline because it's necessary for their building and their future. And it's not just all about, I need to be the parent. It's, we need to get this right together. Yeah. And uh, just trust the discipline. I'm going to be praying, and I'm going to get to know you as best I can so that I point you in the best direction.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you thrive in parenting, and uh, Danny's book is a great starting point. It's called The Seven Traits of Effective Parenting. It's got some foundational advice for a parent of kids of any age, really. Um, you can support the ministry of Focus on the Family when you order that book directly from us here. Uh, We've got details in the episode notes. While you're there, check out Dr. David Clark's book, which is called Parenting is Hard and Then You Die, a fun but honest look at raising kids of all ages right. And uh, that's our thank you gift today when you make a donation of any amount to support the work of Focus on the Family. Join the support team today, and uh, you can do so when you call 800-A-FAMILY or stop by the episode notes. On behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast.